was really awesome. We had some nice suggestion for Beyond Plus. I was watching Fenerbahce and Panathinaikos game in Istanbul, and during the halftime, one Fenerbahce fan approached me. We had a short chat. He mentioned something about Beyond Plus, which is already cool that he knows that we have this platform. And he said he, he actually had a nice suggestion uh, for Beyond Plus members to, me, to make this uh, every two weeks Ataman impersonation by Ritis. <laughs> That's a nice business plan, I think. We, we would kind of double our Beyond Plus members. <laughs> I would run out because of that. Run out of ideas in two weeks' time. Like mm. Maybe uh, let's do it like a monthly entertainment program like five minutes for included for, in the or one segment well if there's something spectacular happening around Ataman then obviously like the incident with Shadas and the hidden oh, cameras and yeah. everything I could do that but if it's just on daily basis I actually thought about after. it when that incident happened and we didn't have you on the pod I was like oh my gosh this is this is where I want to see Ritis making this shot we need, we need to hear more timeouts of Ataman, you know, uh, very well talking and just uh, instructing to his players because if we, don't, if we don't hear him talk actually like in the press conferences, I mean, he usually sa- says something. But In these team huddles, he's not so emotional, I would say. He's not, he's not expressing him so much. When the cameras are not on him. <laughs> I don't know. It's different. In press conferences, he kind of gets into another level. Okay, st- let's stop the disrespect, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Let's stop the hate. Uh, there was also another more random uh, situation. I was in uh, GNG Syndicatus concert uh, this weekend. This is like a, a veteran hip hop group, let's say, for our uh, European listeners. And I met German guy. Uh, who is, I don't know if he he was a husband or he's just dating Lithuanian uh, lady who is also our BN Plus member, but just on Lithuanian edition. But anyways, he's listening to our podcast. He, he, he you know, he, he sent best wishes to you guys as well. And he said that we're doing a good job. And since he's, his lady's girlfriend uh, is BN Plus member on Lithuanian platform, so he's able to listen to our Q&A podcast and stuff. So it was a very random thing, you know, to meet him in GNG Syndicatus in Lithuania. <laughs> so that's cool, that's cool. A random Saturday fact. Random Saturday fact. <laughs> and we have, talking about Saturday facts, uh, weekend facts, we have Champ in our studio, in right? the house. <laughs> yeah, champ yeah, is the here. Lithuanian champion. Champ and is here. I, I think I, I've... When, when is the ring ceremony? <laughs> I have the medal. I didn't bring it here, but I'm pretty sure I, I'm a unique person in the sense that I'm a Lithuanian journalist champion in football Ooh. and in basketball. Really? Yep. I was the goalkeeper for, for our team two years ago when, when we last played the championship for journalists. And yesterday we had the basketball tournament and we were the underdogs, so we were really lucky to, to win it all, but somehow we did it. We won in the group stage, we barely qualified by winning the last game by one point and they had the last shot and they were so close and then we won the semis and, and in the final somehow we had a... F- 49-year-old superstar on our roster. <laughs> he was carrying the whole team and he was the MVP of the tournament. I was just a role player. That, that 49-year-old is moving like 30 
30-year-old guy. Sometimes like That's 25. Amazing. It's like Minogas Lukowskis, right? Some, something like that. Close to that. Like when I'm 49, probably <laughs> I will need help to get get up from the bed. No, not not to, to say that Let's hope play not. basketball, <laughs> but the guy is just a machine. Wow. So much respect. He's actually my colleague commentator. He also is a, is a yearly commentator for our local broadcaster. Speaking of your rare milestone uh, of winning championships, both in football and basketball, yep. I was in Fenerbahce uh, Museum, which was just opened for, for, for the fans recently. Uh, and they had a legendary, let's say, player who also, I don't want to be wrong with this, but I think he was also a football player who when, you know, started also playing basketball and he also, you know, won and did good things in, in both apartment departments. So that was probably in the fifties. Yeah, sixties, seventies, fifties, something like that. Wow. That's nice. So you were probably the second person after him. <laughs> when Rit- like that. We should make a social media post like uh, Ritis is yeah. the youngest active Lithuanian uh, to win both <laughs> championships, you know. <laughs> the first, probably the first <laughs> The Lithuanian. first youngest active after yeah. Luka Doncic. And don't add a disclaimer <laughs> that it's just a journal, journalist no, tournament no. with very amateur players. Let's not Or talk. just with a short, short note somewhere in the comments. Uh, nah, we're not going to get into those details. We're just going to say that I'm the champ I th- That's it. I think that London Lions, they have a player on the roster who previously was pretty good in tennis. He was mm. a pro tennis player before entering basketball. So, wow. Well, you know, in the final, when the game was tied, I actually hit a very big bucket, a big free. So I can say I contributed a little yeah. bit in the semifinal. You're like also. Chris Singleton, you know. Uh, except I don't play any defense. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only... Uh, Chris also, you know, during the regular season, he's also <laughs> saving him up. Just only when it matters. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, actually, my tactical decision was key mm. and instrumental to winning this tournament because in the first game in the group stage, we we lost by 17. And then I, I looked at my teammates and said, guys, we don't have a bench. Um, I don't have any legs. Why are we playing man-to-man defense? We have to go... <laughs> to free zone. That's the only way. Easy. And we went throughout the whole tournament uh, from that moment playing two free zone and that's why we won because our our opponents just barely could make any shots. <laughs> I think that guy was John Bartu. He played basketball. He was a six-time international representative of the national basketball team in Turkey, and then he also played for Turkish football club. Not so long ago, there was a guy in Netherlands. He actually played He played in Lazio. Wow, Fiorentina. Man, what a career. It was like in 50s and 60s. That's nice. There was a guy in Netherlands. He played for the national team, and he actually played against Lithuania, I think, like five or four years ago. But before he started playing basketball, Mm. he actually played football in, in Dutch second division, I believe. But then he went to the NCAA and, and played some college ball and a little bit of pro ball. I know that Netherlands is not like the, the elite country of basketball, mm. but there is this guy, I just don't remember his name. Okay. Switching sports is, is difficult, but sometimes I catch myself thinking like these super athletes like LeBron or, or Giannis, they could do well in many sports, yeah, in the Olympics, for, for sure. example, or watching the... Uh, FIFA World Cup, I'm always thinking about like Alfonso Davis or Kylian Mbappe winning a gold medal in 
in in athletics in 100 meters or 200 meters <laughs> i could see that happening yeah speaking of football because Ritas is commentating fifa world cup games he's kind of a rare co-host on our show he was a rare co-host on the show recently so it's going to be interesting to hear your thoughts about the uh, your league today we're going to talk about a perfect Fenerbahce Istanbul start also Panathinaikos winning consecutive uh, games for the first time this season uh, another uh, disappointing disappointing week in Milan some other stuff uh, related to Italian uh, basketball, but let's let's start with the winners. Uh, oh, let's start with the our contributors. Uh, <clears throat> Fenerbahce fan had this idea for uh, making Ataman impressions uh, every Q and A pod. We'll see uh, what we will do with it. But you can join our community on basketnews.com/plus and. A uh, big shout out to our GM and All-Star uh, subscribers. Paulus Tinteris, Hoopman, Christos P, and Gabrielus Serva. So basketnews.com slash plus. Join us and you, you'll get a lot of uh, great features, including betting tips, video breakdowns, uh, Q&A pods, and a lot of uh, other stuff. Fenerbahce Istanbul winning nine games uh, at the start of the season, the record is 9-1. Is the first time in three years we have such a great uh, start in the EuroLeague. And actually, since the new EuroLeague for format uh, was introduced, only three teams before had that kind of record. Uh, the last time it was uh, Fenerbahce and CSKA in 2018-19 and 19 season. And if you remember, CSKA won the EuroLeague that year. Fenerbahce went on the best... I think it was the best regular season uh, record, 25-5. and five. And the first time it happened, probably in the inaugural season of the new format, it Ceska also started the season 9-1. and one. This record uh, makes me also confident about my bold prediction, uh, expecting Fenerbahce <laughs> to make the EuroLeague final. But anyways, uh, guys, I wanted to hear your thoughts. What do you like the most about this record, about Fenerbahce's game uh, at the start of the season? What makes them so good? Um, to me, it's how well they play so early. It's, uh, I did not expect them to play so well so early, to be honest. Uh, there's another uh, also flip side of this, you know, can they keep this type of play and can they improve uh, significantly, significantly during the season? But for me, it's just how well each player has found its place on the team. Nicolaitis is, is revived. Uh, Nigel Hayes-Davis seems, you know, uh, also revived after his stint in Barcelona. Uh, these two are shooting much better. Uh, Dimitri Situdis has used all the players to its strengths. For example, Marko Guduric is a much better version of himself than he was last season. Uh, John Motley is playing probably even better than, than we have expected to him to play be be before, before the season started. Uh, and I'm not even mentioning, you know, Scotty Wilbekin, uh, probably the only player who Melima Mutoglu has had some amazing games after even not playing in some in some mm. of them to start the game. So, to me, every player every player that steps on the court is used to its strengths. And defensively, we all know that Itudis uh, is a master of uh, just setting up his team for success. So they're playing uh, they're playing basketball that is more suited for Nicolaitis. Uh, that, that is one of the reasons why he's playing at such a high level. You could even potentially see him, you know, in the MVP race. I know his numbers are not that, 
let's say points to, to uh, points average are not that impressive, but just uh, the way he manages the team, the way he sees everything, what is happening on the court is is simply amazing. So uh, Itudis has all the players playing to his strengths, and to me, it's it's really am amazing to watch. And let's not forget that they are leading the standings, and we're talking about their great basketball without Nemanja Bielica even playing exactly. a single minute yet. And he's going to come back eventually. Because right now what we're seeing is uh, also Dachon Pierre was Dachon out. So, so Hayes Davis had to play even more minutes in the third and in the fourth positions. And he is slowly becoming the most consistent spot-up shooter in the EuroLeague, actually. Whenever he gets a spot-up shot, he hits it. Uh, I was working with the uh, Fenerbahce Monaco game. That game mm. was just pure quality, actually, from both sides. And the Fenerbahce players gave a lot of respect to Monaco for making the comeback. And in the end, it was decided by by the last shot. Mike James could have sent it to overtime. But Hayes Davis was just hitting absolutely every single shot in that game. They also had help from Carson Edwards. Uh, it's his first season in Europe. Uh, sometimes he has these runs, but in some games he's playing very short minutes and and barely gets any shots you can just see that he's you know he still needs some time yep. to understand fully how the game is played but in this in double Europe. game week against monaco he really provided a lot of help um especially in the first half when scotty wilbekin was kind of struggling and in the second game in milan it was different edwards barely contributed uh, to scoring but then again hayes davis 22 points um, Nick Kalate is running the show and all these other things that they are doing. Um, actually, I think they can be even better defensively than they are right now. There's still some room for improvement. But this is just the fact that this team is about good spacing, about players playing to their strengths, as you said. And also Jonathan Motley, obviously a EuroLeague rookie that is like exceeding all the expectations so far. He, he is playing on a, you know... First uh, or second team that that All type of team. level. Yeah. All Euro for sure. Team. Right now, you could say he's the best center uh, from what we've seen this season so far. Because and I agree, and I don't see a lot of competition even at the end of the season. If he keeps being consistent or at least close to that level, what do we have at the center position? Walter Tavares, and then I mean, of I course, know. there's there's always Tavares, but so far Tavares hasn't been that dominant, that dominant. in my opinion. And Motley is just, every single night, he is close to a double-double. He's a beast. And what I love about him is his passing abilities, actually. He's one of those uh, bigs that can easily um, react to a double team and, and kick the ball to the perimeter and He's find so, an open so shooter. He's so great at passing. Yep, exactly. Especially like after a roll, he rolls to the rim, he gets the pass from Nick or from Scotty Wilbekin. He sees like four players, three players around him, and he's so good at passing the ball back to an open three-point shooters. That's why. That's why actually their three-point percentage is is amazing. Like you can, I'm I'm looking now. It is Scotty Wilbekin at forty-one uh, percent. Uh, Meli Mamutoglu is at forty-seven. Nigel Hayes Davis at forty-three. Kalaitis fifty. Kalaitis fifty, and Goodrich at forty. Uh, the this is. You know, some of these players are not known as three-point shooters. Yep. So this is a testament to how great their shot selection is. But also, you know, it's a question for, for you guys, for me. Can he, can they keep up this, this shooting throughout the whole season? No, for I mean, sure for not. Me, for me, for it's, sure. it's impossible that Nick Kalidis, you know, is shooting 50%. 
His number is going to go down. Hayes Davis numbers are going to go down, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Fenerbahce is going to go down. Yeah. Like they're building a, a very solid result at the moment. They're leading the standings. And as we've talked many times, it's not about winning the regular season. It's more about getting the home court advantage and yeah. every win counts. And right now they're in a very good position. Well, again, it would just, Starts with these these big lineups, Devin Booker playing as a power forward. And I actually love Tony Jakiri as a backup center. Um, I think this is a perfect role for him to be a backup center in a good EuroLeague team uh, and not necessarily being the main center on an average EuroLeague team. I think Where he this doesn't need to do too much. Yep, exactly. This role mm. is, is, is perfect for him, in my opinion. And it's another... Good signing by Fenerbahce, actually, building this roster. And I'm just so curious to see how they will play with Nemanja Bielica because <laughs> you will have another excellent yeah. passer, another phenomenal high IQ basketball player with plenty of skills uh, as well. Even though he's a veteran, I think he still has a lot to offer in, in the EuroLeague. Yeah, Fenerbahce, they're first in offensive rating, second in defensive rating. They're, they have the best true shooting percentage. And watching them play, watching them making shots at that level, for me, it says a lot about their confidence, I would say. Confidence in a lot of different areas. It starts with the confidence playing their roles. I think watching this team, you kind of feel that all these players, they know their roles and they accept their roles. For example, they accept uh, Nicolaitis as, the, as their floor general. Uh, he he has the keys of his team and he, he feels amazing uh, having this freedom, having this confidence coming from from Nick, uh, from Itudis. Then there's Scott Wilbekin. I think that I'm right to say that he is forcing way uh, less shots than before in Maccabi and it also comes to the situation. He doesn't need to. Exactly. He doesn't need to. Uh, he's being put in good situations. He has a great ball handler next to him. And now he can focus on his strengths. All the other players, uh, John Motley and Nigel Hayes Davis, uh, everybody else, I just think that they're accepting their roles. I, maybe it's tough for Carson Edwards to understand his role so far in the team. Sometimes he's sitting on the bench entire the first entire first half. Uh, sometimes he's sitting on the bench entire game against Restar, for example. But the good thing is that uh, the next the next day, the next game, he's coming uh, off the bench and scoring. 12 important uh, points to, to boost his team and for sure he will adjust throughout the season and if, if Nemanja Belis is a big upgrade potential uh, room for improvements uh, looking at the for the rest of the season Carson Edwards you can also put him on the same page somebody who, who will improve uh, their game but I think it, it says a lot about their confidence which also translates into shooting the ball and uh, I tried to talk with some people uh, is there anything particular coming from Itudis side because it reminded me I mean watching how Kelatis shoots the ball of course these these numbers uh you know these are not I wouldn't say standard numbers but it will be probably impossible to keep that level up and it's it's normal but then you see you know Nigel Hayes Davis being very confident beyond their arc and I remember that when Will Clyburn joined CSKA a lot many years ago he wasn't known as a long range, uh, long, uh, range uh, threat. He was a very average shooter at Darushafaka, but suddenly he became a pretty reliable player to shoot the ball from the free. 
And uh, when I see Nick, when I see Nigel, uh, Hayes Davis, other guys, I try to dig out, you know, what, what's so special about the Tudis and opposite from many other head coaches in EuroLeague, usually if you're taking a bad shot or if you're making too many shots, if you're forcing some shots, the main idea is, okay, if you're going to be too aggressive with the ball, uh, you're going to sit on the bench. I mean, that's it. Mm. That's that's the rules. That's our game plan. You have to, you know, fit the system. In the Tudis team, it's, I would say, vice versa. I, I don't say that he's allowing and tolerating forced shots, but he says, if you're not taking that shot, you're sitting on the bench. It's a bit opposite psychology. And they're also working a lot of uh, extra off the floor. There's always assistant coaches uh, after the practice helping uh, players to shoot. Sometimes there's even Dimitri Satoudis uh, just uh, passing the ball uh, to the players, which is not so common uh, here uh, in the EuroLeague. I remember, uh, for example, in Will's case, when he was just trying to find his shots in, in the practices, uh, Itudis was putting some special situations like mm, um, ordering all the players to go under against Will to kind of, you know, psychologically to force that shot, to make to shoot that ball. And it also helped him to gain that confidence. So there's a lot of confidence in this team in, in both ways. The level of, of execution against Monaco, for example, was just, was just amazing, was just really great, great level. But there's a lot of what's behind this uh, amazing shooting uh, numbers. And it starts from Matudis, but I don't want to put all the spotlights only on the head coach because this whole team, this whole roster, they're just doing really good uh, job so far. And Donatas, you asked me about uh, why Nick Kaledis is, you know, what, what, does, what, what did change from Barcelona to Fenerbahce? Why he's playing so well? I tried to look at some numbers, obviously, you know, just watching the video and... Uh, to compare the numbers, at first, Barcelona played post-ups last year 14% of their offenses. Fener is playing 6%. So that's obviously fits better Kaledis because, you know, nobody has to go to help from him. And uh, and then he has to force these, you know, three-point shots. And obviously he was questioning more himself probably under when playing under Sharas because, you know, the importance that Jessicavich gives give to, give to every shot. Then uh, Fenerbahce plays 19% uh, with pick and roll, uh, pick and roll game, like pick and roll handler, where he, where he finishes the attack. Whereas in Barcelona it was only 14%, and in transition Fener finishes their 12% of their attacks, while Barcelona finished only 8%. So these three categories, you see, you know, one of the reasons why Nick is playing that much better, you know. Fenerbahce is playing more to his strengths and less to, to, to his weaknesses. And then just watching the game, to me, one moment that uh, stood out the most against Monaco, uh, yeah, it was against Monaco, simply his vision for the game. Um, you know, he is scanning the court all the time. And for example, he sees Scotty Wilbekin in the opposite corner. Mike James has his back turned to, to the ball. He just throws this pass over the top of his head and Mike James doesn't expect the ball to arrive right now to Scotty Wilbekin. Scotty gets the ball, drives easily past Mike because, you know, Mike is not expecting him to get the ball. Kicks it out to Hayes Davis, open free. And you can see this happening in so many situations. Like he's scanning the court in transition, finding Hayes Davis. It was like four... Uh, Four situations where Nick was responsible for uh, Nigel Hayes-Davis getting a wide open free. And probably he got an assist only on one or two of, of those situations. But he is the 
you know, he is the leader of that team. He is dictating the tempo, everything. And just for me, it's so nice to see how Itudis is letting him be the, be the general. And I think Nick has an underrated skill, which is not really talked about because we're always talking about his court vision. It's when he's driving to the paint, the way he hits those runners. <laughs> and you could call them floaters, but he doesn't even need to jump. He's like a veteran that's, floater. He's like so a running, running in front and then shooting. Exactly. That's so underrated because he doesn't need to jump for, for the floater or, or a runner, whatever you call it. And he uses the backboard very well also. Mm. That helps him to finish, not necessarily with layups, but with these type of shots. And I don't see too many players with that skill in, in Europe. And August, you mentioned uh, Kalaitis possibly being in an MVP conversation, but because, of course, because of his, let's say, low numbers, he won't be there probably at the end of the season. But he kind of reminds me Kostas Lukas type of player and the the important the importance he has in Fenerbahce because we're all talking about Sasha you know, playing amazing basketball uh, yeah uh, other guys performing at the top level team being uh, one of the best teams in the Euroleague but the, the importance that Nikolaitis has it also has a lot of to do with everybody else uh, confidence as you mentioned how Nigel Hayes Davis is benefiting from that situation mm. how Wilbekin is benefiting John Motley uh, himself so He's he's really important figure for 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 that team. Okay, a question for you guys. If uh, I mean I know I know it's early, but if Fener win uh, the regular season by five wins from the second place, who is getting the MVP? And let's say uh, Olympia Costa are f uh, second and Monaco are fourth, fifth. Vezenkov. If Vezenkov Olympiakos makes it to the second seed and Vezenkov mm -hmm. keeps putting up these numbers. He's yeah. still the MVP. Yeah, okay. it's, it's not about the margin between Fenerbahce and the rest of the group, and especially when uh, Fenerbahce doesn't have that one leader, single leader who stands out in all the categories. I mean, I mean, for, John, for John Motley is scoring 14 points and he has six rebounds and two assists, the efficiency of 17. Uh, Nick Kalaitis has 10 points, five rebounds and six assists, 1.5 steals. Uh, but yeah, you're, prob you're, you're probably you're right. Like you, you and can you have good arguments. Yeah, you don't give a player who averages ten points. Uh, uh, Vazenkov is just so much ahead of Vazenkov is everybody else, having crazy numbers, <laughs> crazy numbers and crazy impact on every game he plays. Yeah, and and Olympiakos I, being the second seed, the team is already you know a big overachievement I just in the whole picture of the Euroleague powerhouses. This, this, um, and he doesn't highlight real when he killed. Alba Berlin without even without dribbling dribbling the ball, it was something amazing, really. Yeah, it was something. It like reminded me of Clay right? Thompson. Exactly. I wanted to say this. Clay Thompson thing. playing that legendary quarter uh, against the Sacramento Kings, where he points. had like three dribbles, I believe, or mm. two dribbles, and and he scored how many? Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. So that's all about Fenerbahce, right? Probably. Yeah. You don't have anything to add. We spent quite a lot of time talking about them. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have to talk about... Okay, there's also another uh, team on a kind of winning streak. We cannot call it a winning streak, but at least it's a it's winning consecutive <laughs> games and it's a big thing for, for Panathinaikos. Although there are more teams like that. For example, we, we, we saw FS making a turnaround with starting off with that Barcelona game uh, and they won mm. three in a row uh, already. 
Real Madrid, by the way, they're also on a good run. They won five games in a row, and I think that it all started when the first rumors about Chus Mateo being on a hot seat has started. And I, when I thought about that situation, just just my short, uh, just five, my five cents uh, about that situation, I remember there was this report that, oh, Chus Mateo is on a hot seat, Alexander Djordjevic and Andrea Trinqueira are the main favorites to, to change Chus Mateo. More now I think about that situation and that, that, that port, for me, it feels like maybe it was kind of leaked on purpose because by that time the report was published. I knew for sure that Sasha Djordjevic is already going to China national team. The first report is starting. Mm, they were getting right there about this potential move. But from what I heard, the deal was already done. So, I mean, Djordjevic was already out of consideration. And there was probably no way that Trinkieri could switch teams during the season unless I, some I incredible buyout uh, was offered. And let's say Barn owner couldn't uh, turn down that offer. But where I'm going to, that that situation and the replacement of Chus Mateo was kind of impossible. So maybe it was just a way, to, I don't know, to, motivate the group, motivate the coach or whatsoever, because sometimes teams, owners, GMs do things like that. But anything, anything. It's it's, it's not like Real Madrid are winning because uh, just Mateo started coaching better. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but it, I mean, if, if any of you guys saw Real Madrid partisan game, it was as close as a EuroLeague regular season game can get to a random NBA, NBA regular game. season game. When you see a 40-point quarter, you should get excited, but at the same time, you realize that it's just because there's no defense. <laughs> and Real Madrid were controlling the game, even though Partizan were, were hitting a shot after Everything. shot after <laughs> shot. And I almost fell asleep during that game, actually. I was, I was working with that game, and at the moment, I felt really sad because I had to work with this game instead of watching Serbia Brazil and it's a high scoring game and you should get excited but nah, you never get excited when you don't see the actual fight mm. which is Euroleague what Euroleague is famous for uh, but yeah, Madrid, they're winning games, but they're winning games again because of their quality, because of Janan Musa, what he's doing so far, because of Hezonia having some some good uh, performances in that game against Partizan in part particular. Uh, they're coping really well now without Gershonia Buselic just because they have so many other options. Gabriel Deck playing the four, you know. Gabi Deck, even Petr Corneli being a useful player as a stretch four. So... Um, those rumors about Chus Mateo, I don't know where they came from, but the fact is Chus Mateo is not going to be a different coach than what he is right now, and they're going to play the same way throughout the regular season. Let's just see how far they can go, but, but they have a deepest roster in Europe. It's not maybe about coach being a difference maker that situation. It's more of a, let's say, showing that somebody is is working and somebody's concerned inside the club and they're thinking all the possible scenarios and oh they're also unhappy i think it's it's more related uh, to that some some mind games that sometimes uh, clubs and and gms uh, do but by the way i had this idea i think we didn't discuss it in, in q a pod but watching some teams struggle like real madrid virtus uh, for sure milan for example some very deep teams and it, we're talking about some very deep teams which has 
basically 15 players on its roster. I think that Milan already registered 17 player, uh, players this Milan year. Milan has 15 players, but they have uh, 13 of them injured. That's also true. Like but every I'm year is to, the same story. Where I'm heading to, there's Fenerbahce leading the competition. There's Olympiagos leading the competition. We just mentioned this roles thing and players, teams, you know, sharing these roles, accepting these roles, knowing their roles. And don't you think that sometimes having too much talent on the team, too many players on a different agenda, in you know, it can be a disturbing thing. It can be a distraction to the team. Sometimes if you're not thinking about, uh, if you don't have a clear idea about your roster, but Olympiakos and Fenerbahce, they are also deep. I mean, deep, they have like eight, nine... No, they have 12. Very solid players. They have 12. They just have... I mean, Fenerbahce has injuries, but Adai, Jean-Pierre, and Nemanja Belica, they have 12 players. Olympiakos, Barzokas, in most games, he uses 11-man rotation, sometimes 12-man rotation. If you add, like, Tariq Black, uh, for example, as a third Maybe center. Maybe uh, Donatus wants to say that, you know, the 9, 10, 11, 12 players are not as, uh, you know... They're not Hezonias. They're not Hezonias, or they're not, you know... ninth, 10th, or 11th They don't guy. think, these guys, they don't think they could be in the starting five. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe, th maybe that's what you're saying, because... Uh, because even with Virtus, for example, uh, you have Marco Bellinelli as your one of the top three most expensive players on its roster. So it's a different conversation when you have somebody like Laranzakis. Okay, he's he's performing way better than just like a ninth or tenth uh, player coming off the bench. But some other guys, I don't know, Bolon Boy, for example. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a different conversation. You have so many mouths to feed and to please everybody, and maybe it can be a um, distraction for those teams and may, may, might cost the start well, of the that's, season. That's a fair argument. However, Real Madrid... They have proven before with Pablo Lasso that having 15 players works. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you leave out guys like Coser or Fernandez, even if they're healthy. But uh, no one's complaining because when you're playing for Real Madrid, it means that you have a guaranteed contract, usually for three or four years, looking in the future. You're safe even if you get injured, even if you get hurt like Anton Randolph did. He had two very serious injuries, but he is under contract still on with, the bench. With, with the greatest organization in, in, in Europe. So no one's complaining. They are accepting it. And I don't know, Real Madrid in the past, they have been winning and consistently playing in the final four with, with this idea. It's different with Milan, as, as Ogi said, because injuries affected them badly last season and... It looks like the same story this year. Yeah. Now they, they added Luvavu Cabarro, but if Pangos is injured and he's out, then I think they need another they, sign. They will add some someone for yep, sure. Exactly. In my eyes. Exactly. And it, it it's uh, a different story when you have a deep team with too many similar players. Like Monaco looked like they have this problem last year, but they sorted mm. it. When, yeah. when they when they hired uh, Sasha Obradovich, but in the first part of the season it was a, it was an obvious problem. Yeah. So you, it's hard to build a good chemistry when players are competing too much with each other for minutes on the court. And in Real Madrid, Madrid it's different. Like it's when when it's the double game week um, on Tuesday, Musa plays more minutes and he's the MVP of the game. But then Hezonia knows that on Thursday against Partizan, he's going to get his shots. 
And then on Sunday in the ACB League, somebody else is going to get his shots. <laughs> and everyone's happy. Go, sir. <laughs> and, and also, no, Real Madrid is 7-3. That's yep. tied for the second place yep. as Olympia Coso and Barcelona and Monaco. So I think Milan has their own problems and you cannot relate their problems to any other team right now. No. So let's get let's get back shortly about Panathinaikos. Yep. Oh yeah, sure. Did you see any let's see qual did you see a significant quality difference in their game? Uh, talking about the last week they won two in a row against Virtus at first and then Aswell. Uh like you asked me this uh you wrote is it something uh, that that's that's your question. Yeah. Is it something, nothing or everything? To me it's between and you know, we have been receiving messages that we are power haters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before I answer, I'm not a pa- power hater, but you know, to win against Aswell, Aswell probably is the worst team at the moment. They'll, in my eyes, they probably will finish the season last. So for me, it's between nothing and something because they have to win these games at home. Uh, why it is between nothing and something is because their style of play, how they're playing, for it's, no, I don't see it being sustainable uh to get into the playoffs in my eyes they they still have the fourth worst defense in the league defensive rating they're 15th even with coach Dejan Radonjic um they have great guards that play defense and they want their bigs really high up in the pick and rolls but when you need to rotate it starts to get messy they are allowing a lot of three pointers and stuff like that and offensively they are relying on playing at home, uh, playing with those fans, and they are relying on transition opportunities, and then one person catching fire, whether that's Dwayne Bacon, whether that's Derek Williams, whether that's Nate Walters, who is playing really well, even up after coming back uh, after the injury. So it's just not much coming from their offense, because it's there's so many broken plays where they just give the ball to someone, and then it's like... Okay, you do something. Okay, now you do something. Okay, now you do something. And then on defense, they're not, you know, as solid as they should be in my eyes. So they it was a good win against Virtus, against Aswell. Everybody should win at home against Aswell in my eyes. Mm. And uh, to me, they haven't shown enough sustainability no. uh, this week to did- be in the long run. They're facing Jargiris, and I'm kind of confident that Jargiris is going to win this you're, game. You're taking Kazis Maxquides as your coach in fantasy. I'm considering it for <laughs> sure. And Jargiris is 6-4. and four. And we're talking exactly. about when Nike was being 4-6 and six about some sort of resurrection. I mean, look, we all know that Derrick Williams will have at least a couple of games where he is shooting the lights out for some reason and like against Virtus, 26 points. Wow. Then in the other game uh, against Asphalt, it's it's Dwayne Bacon's show. He has 25 points. And of course, Bacon has quality, and and there will be games like this. But in the long run, I don't see this as being uh, a winning formula. So at least have a winning record, let's say. Yeah, exactly. So my opinion about Pau and and, and the way they're playing and where they're going to finish didn't really change because what they did is they won in Oaka against teams that they are supposed to beat. Yeah. Especially Asphalt, but Virtus also at home. I don't see any reason why you shouldn't be expecting 
uh, a win in this game, and it was a close game actually. They won it uh, 88, 85. In overtime. So they are still not a good offensive team. I don't think they can be a good offensive team with this roster, and they're always going to be dependent on whether Derek Williams is having a good night or not, and is Dwayne Bacon focused today or not? And these are sort of things that they're kind of difficult to control and predict. So I would not bet on them to have a long winning streak or anything like that. I'm actually expecting Jalgiris to beat them this week. Yeah, and Derek Williams perfectly illustrates Panathinaikos uh, home advantage. He's averaging 18 points at home, uh, shooting 57% from the three, and when he's playing away, he's averaging only 10 points on 30% three-point shooting. Although 57 at home? Yeah, 57. Wow. From the three-point line. 55 from the two-point line. I mean, he's he's playing perfect perfect basketball uh, at, at home as in most cases the, the rest of the Panathinaikos team. Considering uh, the question, whether was it everything, nothing or something, I think that it was everything for Coach Radonjic to build oh, some sure. confidence among the group and especially in the eyes of the ownership, uh, management. Uh, and it was everything for the entire team to bounce back after this horrible loss against Fenerbahce. We all know that Fenerbahce, okay, they're playing great basketball and the blowout loss by 30 points is not the indicator of your situation, but I'm talking more about the body language, about the how hopeless the team was in, in Istanbul. So it was important for them to bounce back. It was important for Radonjic to get some confidence, for this group to get some confidence because against Virtus, um, there were some great moments, of course, especially in the second half. Not only Derek Williams was shining, but we saw some nice, neat floaters moments. We saw Paris Lee uh, playing uh, great defense. Arturas Godaitis and Maes was very important coming off the bench and changing the momentum where Papayanis was uh, struggling once again. So there were some nice stretches, but of course, we are, if we are talking about the long-term goals and being consistent, that's that's a huge question mark on this team and probably it will remain the same for, for, for the rest of the season. Donatis, you mentioned body language of Panathinaikos and you said how hopeless they looked like in Istanbul yeah. when they were playing. And you were uh, yeah. watching that game live. Yeah. And just now imagine the difference in, in your mind. How are they different playing and, and their body language when they're playing in Oaka? And Derek Williams and Dwayne Bacon gets in transition. Some some ba some easy baskets. I mean, they just look five times more happier, five times more more confident. And they, it's like watching two different two, two different teams play. Uh, you know, and and there is one week separating those those two games. And to me, it's uh, you know a piece of success that is not that you can't really rely. You can't be. Uh, you can be playing with such different body languages when you're losing and when you, when you are, you know, making some shots because that's that influences your performance overall very easily. Okay, uh, let's talk about losing teams. Uh, we had some, uh, we already talked, we discussed so much about Milan that August knows that before this part, I was like, should we talk about their situation and their struggles or it's already enough? At the same time, Milan is suffering the longest losing streak in Ettore Messina uh, era. 
Uh, they're on a six-game losing streak. Uh, I think that that's the longest losing streak since wow. 2016 and 17 season. And even coach uh, Messina himself hinted about possible resignation uh, from his position. The exact uh, quote is, I'm primarily responsible for this team because he's also not just the head coach, but the president of basketball operations. If the team plays like this, I feel responsible for putting together a team that doesn't click. Uh, now the only thing I can do is try to manage the situation in Italy where everything is still possible and do better in the second part of the season in EuroLeague. If we keep playing like this, I'll draw my own conclusions and I'll go to Mr. Armani to tell him that it will be necessary to find another guide uh, for this team. I think that quote came out just after the game against FS where the team was whistled by their own fans at the end of the game when they lost by 29. What would be just your general reactions about this quote and about that previous uh, week? Being booed by your own fans is normal in a situation like this. Uh, you're down at home 44-77 and FS is not a good defensive team. <laughs> and you you just cannot <laughs> buy a bucket, but we saw these struggles before. We saw them in Kaunas when they were here, and they couldn't make a shot. And I actually counted their shots watching the footage of the game afterwards. From the first sixteen free pointers they they took, ten were open spot up shots without even dribbling the ball, and they were one from sixteen. So there's confidence issues, there's everything uh, in this mix. Against FS, it was a nightmare. Against Fenerbahce, you could see some lifeline. But then again, in the second half, we we saw who's the better team. I still have a lot of belief that they will make it to the playoffs and they will be competitive. It's just that they have to sort out a lot of things um, inside the locker room, inside the team. Injuries don't help, let's be real. And signing new players uh, during the season sometimes can be tricky. Luvavu Cabarro looks like a decent signing, but now we know the news about Kevin Pangos and he got hurt. And we don't know how long he's going to be out. So they need to add somebody else. He's but I'm happy for... Reevaluated in six to eight weeks. Yeah, I so think. that's that's quite... Reevaluated. So after six weeks. Exactly. That, that's so quite, he might be out even for yeah, longer quite time. Quite a lot of time. Although... I'm really happy about Nas Mitru Long. The guy is proving that he belongs here. And we saw his potential in the Italian league last season. And Mitru Long, I'm not saying he's going to save the season for Milan, but he helps a lot right now in this difficult period. And, you know, the injury to Kevin Pangos, uh, and I never wish an, an injury to a player, but we've, but Milan was a better team, much better team with Nazmit Rulong on the court. And Nazmit Rulong seems like the only guy who hasn't lost the confidence. I wanted in, to say the same. In that thing. team. He's the only guy that you see his movement with the ball, see how he's shooting, seeing how he's aggressive. He is still belie believing in, in him because the other guys, you know, when Devon Hall is shooting, he's. You know, seems like he some somebody is forcing him to take these open open uh, catch and shoot opportunities, and um, you know you definitely need some someone else right now if Kevin Pangos. But but to promoting Nazmi Trulong to the first point guard, I think is going to help Milan uh, at least in the short term. Obviously, 
he is still, we have to understand that he is still a EuroLeague rookie. And you could see these little turnovers that he made in the second half against Fenerbahce, like two in a row passes, uh, these high passes instead of just bounce passes. This is the little things that EuroLeague teaches you, I think, and he should be uh, better with, with time. But uh, there's just so many problems there in Milan that I don't know, you know, uh, just how to they're add going about to go this out. Point guard situation and Pangos being out. I'm just Are not they looking sure for someone? if they will for sure forego for an addition because they already registered 17 players. So <laughs> 17. they just have one license left for the entire season uh, for, wow. for in, in Italy. And that's the that's the thing. Nazmeter Long is the only guy on the team who is not afraid to make the shots and he can make some crazy shots. Maybe that's the confidence boost that this team needs offensively. And sometimes in the situations where you're losing quality uh, with Basically, Milan is losing, uh, they're missing two top 10 EuroLeague players right now. We did this EuroLeague players uh, ranking before the season. I believe that both made top 10. Maybe Shields was 11. Anyways, two great quality uh, players. But sometimes in the situations like this, if you lose quality, some others has to step up. They kind of know their roles. They know their minutes. And even though Nazmit Rulong will, you know, continue making some crazy shots, he knows that probably he won't be substituted. So there's there's more confidence in these uh, tough uh, um, situations uh, like this. And knowing that he's one of the better guys on the team, you know, we I think that Milan also, they will be patient and in a way how this... Mm you know, transition happens because, yeah, he's a rookie, but if you remember, Devon Hall uh, stepped up his game last year. There were yeah. other injured, missing players. He had to switch positions from basically a shooter of the team. He became a ball handler of his team. So I think they might expect that something like that can happen with Nazmitr Long. And of course, Devon Hall also has to step up his game right now. Uh, after and they need this, Billy Baron. Uh, horrible. And he course. came back yesterday. He played yeah. 11 minutes. Uh, which is good, which is good. Yeah. So, and he scored 10 points. So he's going to be even more important right now with Kevin Pangos being Just out. like in Zenit last year, he, he became a point guard when Shabazz Napier uh, was missing. What about uh, Atara Messina sending a message to Brandon Davis or whatever that was in the, uh, in the last game? When he didn't play him or he also said something in the press conference? Oh, when he didn't play him. Uh, and and we didn't hear anything about the mm -hmm, that's interesting the injury. he said something about uh that Brandon was just a bad fit for the game plan or it was bad matchup bad for him for but the game Brandon Davis is a bad fit for the game yeah then you're I don't I'm not buying that yeah, yeah me too that's that's a you know hidden message that probably you need to change your uh or attitude or or whatever you know zero minutes for Brandon Davis I'm not. I'm That's a little bit disrespectful for the one of the. But no, it's, it's not disrespectful. The, the way players. Brandon Davis play, was playing last games, it, it's not disrespectful. His decision in making lines. in some of those games was terrible. Poor. In Konas, for example, some of the decisions were uh, shocking, really. And we know Brandon Davis as one of the best centers in the league for the last four or five years. So you expect a lot more from him. Uh, of course, Messina has a lot of options. He has Kyle Hines. He can always go with Melly and Foytman as two shooting bigs. And that's fair enough. But Brandon Davis not playing a single minute, that's something else. Because if we're talking about a game plan, then Davis could play 10 to 15 minutes instead of his usual 20. We'll see.
because yesterday he played a lot of against uh, Treviso. Mm. Yeah, so. yeah, probably that was a hidden message. Regarding this Messina's quote about his potential resignation, I think that uh, that was a smart move by the coach uh, because I think that uh, he did two good things with that quote. First of all, you're kind of taking your, of course, you're taking full responsibility uh, and you're kind of one foot ahead of once, once again, this all is just the rumors. Mind, mind games. Yeah, you're one foot ahead of all the rumors, our reactions, and you know all the bad outside noise that is happening uh, around the team. So this is one thing. And the other thing is that I, I kind of focused on this on this part where he said that in maybe in the second second round of the Euroleague season, if the situation won't get better, I will resign. So it says to the player that okay, if you're not on the same page, if you're I don't know whether it's Brandon Davis, whether it's any uh, other player on the team, whether if if you don't um, trust Coach Messina and his game plan, if you don't trust current situation, nothing is going to change quickly. I mean, he's not going to be, uh, he's not going to leave the team soon, the next week or in two weeks. He's there for at least two mon uh, months. So instead of being pissed, instead of being angry. With, of the situation, you also have to do some self adjustments. And uh, I know for sure that not all the players are on the same page in Milan, but it's natural. When the team is losing, I mean, it, it's it's just a natural thing to uh, to find some for some scapegoats. Uh, usually, the players who are not getting the freedom they want, they're not getting minutes they want. Usually, they they complain the most and. Basically, you have to go through these pains to find the unity of the team. So it's, it's the part of the process. But I think that it was also kind of the message to the players that, okay, if you don't f follow my rules, my line, I mean, you also have to do some, some stuff with, mm -hmm. um, with yourselves because I'm here for, for at least a couple of months. And, and to, me, to me, that's not two months. I mean, the way he said it, if nothing's going to change in the second half of the season, I'm going to resign. To me, that's, you know, after the season. Okay, yeah. If we are not, if we do bad also in the second part of the season, then I will be resigning, you know, maybe after the EuroLeague ends or maybe even after the season. Like he is, he will try to fix it himself. And, uh, you know, since it's all about just making the playoffs, I mean, if it doesn't get better in the, let's say the next two or three months, probably Milan is out of the picture for the playoffs. And the last... Ten or eight games is not going are not, are not going to change the situation, you know. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it wouldn't make then a lot of sense to do the change, you know, in 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 March or or April just to I don't know just to Especially win the Italian league. I mean, the Italian league. And yeah, it's a so very delicate situation because Messina is not only responsible for coaching the team; he's responsible for building the team. So if anybody else steps in, replacing him during the season. Uh, he will have to coach the team that was built specifically for mm -hmm. Messina by Messina. And I believe that in this case, Messina should uh, have the right to finish the season. Whatever happens, happens. And if we see bad results, then he can step down after the season and you can start with a... You can have a fresh start uh, because like there are probably... A lot of veterans with one-year contracts or one plus one or something like that. So you could do a rebuild mm. in in the summer with a new head coach. But right now, um, 
I know that Messina is sending a message with with these words. I, I think he should be trusted until the end of the season. Yeah, great coaches tur- turned it around before. For example, Jelko Bradovic, uh, when he was coaching, it was like three or four seasons ago. And Fenerbahce, after round 16, they were they had a record like 5 and 11. And they were, mm. I think, 15th in the standings. I think that it was that infamous Fuck You Datome uh, season. <laughs> And uh, then they fixed their game, they improved their game, and the, before the season, yeah, it was COVID season, the, before the season was shut down, they were already in the top uh, eight race. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you get yourself together for the playoffs, I mean, everything can happen because they had all the quality, you know, to beat uh, any top four team uh, in the play, uh, playoffs. In, in my opinion, they need, like, two back-to-back good games to get the belief back. Where the shots go in, where you feel happy at home, at home, preferably, in <laughs> preferably yeah, in Mediolanum, <laughs> because they still have the best defensive rating in the league or top three. I they had uh, my friends. No, 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 no. They had oh, the yeah, best defense like, before this horrible week. I told week, you, I told you in the, in the yeah. Q and A pod, they were first. So there's nothing wrong with their defense. The worst offense and the best defense. Yeah. So exactly, in my opinion, they just need. They're still first. Wow. They they need two good games in a row. To and get the season going, in my opinion. And now they're playing three out of the next four games away, where they have a better record. And uh, okay, let's 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 try to look at these four games. They have Basconia away, they have Pau away, Maccabi at home, and Cervenas Vesda away. I mean, this these are all winnable games to me for them. And uh, yeah, where where do you think they're going to rack up victories? Just you know, I co- think quickly. I, I do believe, I genuinely believe that they're going to win three out of four of these out games. Out of these? I believe in that. Although, Basconi is always tricky. I have doubts Basconi is always Basconi. tricky when, in Vittoria, When they catch fire at home... Usually they catch fire at home, so... <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. But, has to be but they're facing the best defensive rating. So, I I do have some belief that this Milano team can start clicking. Nazmi through long 30-point game incoming. Fantasy tip? I have him already. Okay. <laughs> it's a smart choice because Basconia, first of all, is not a particularly great defensive team and Mitru Long is now going to play extended minutes, so... He knows he's going to play a lot, so... Yep. There was a lot of heat uh, last week in Milan. We have snow outside here in Lithuania, but it seems like oh. in, in Italy it was... There was a lot of heat because not just the way the things that happen in Milan, but also Virtus uh, game against FS. Did you see Milos Teodosic? Just l- completely Injection? losing his mind. There. Wow. wow. <laughs> I mean, grabbing the leg first and then uh, just getting into the referee's face. Two. I was the so surprised. Face. He was so close punching the ref, actually. He just lost his temper and for uh, <laughs> quite two minutes, good two minutes. <laughs> Yeah, because even if he was wrecked into the play before, I don't think that was a clear foul. I'm not sure if that was foul at all by Ambaya. I think that Ambaya was defending him and just you know physical, physical defense. You could you could you could whistle maybe? you could whistle that a foul. You could yeah. It depends on all how the refs are seeing the game. You know. But then you're just trying to hold his leg and then <laughs> attacking the ref. I was I was surpro- so surprised because the game was still tight. Virtus, they had chances. They were on a run, I think. So they had chances to uh, to turn things around uh, 
five minutes to play. So it, it was surprising moments. Uh, and the same happened with Nikola Meli. I don't know if you remember the game against Fenerbahce where Nikola Meli, he also made this wrestling move against Nigel Hayes Davis after oh, yeah. the rebound. He was like hugging like this, uh, even after the whistle for a few seconds. I mean, Hayes Davis was like, took a swing at him. I don't know. What was it I mean, like this? because, you know, he was doing like yeah. this for a few s seconds and he just wanted to get away from that situation. So I was surprised that Meli stayed on the court actually, because it was more than just unsportsmanlike uh, situation in my eyes. Yeah, so I don't know maybe how refs are allowing like Teodosic get into your face, like so close. I mean, he, he was what like, could you he do? Was like, that's that's a technical for you. No, that's like an ejection. Ejection. I think that. Oh yeah, but it was a straight ejection. No. No. First, he gave him a technical. For Embaya, and just for his harsh reaction. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. he continued that, and then it was like, okay, he went, because at first he was just standing like, and then he was like going straight into your face, like making this move, and he was like, the ref stepped back, to, take, uh, mm -hmm. took two steps back, and then it was like, okay, you're out of here. Yeah, yeah. Scott Foster. Yeah, so maybe that's that's what happens when you got frustrated by, by losing. Yeah. Uh, uh. Do you know who is the first uh, from the coaches by the technicals? Leading the, uh, leading the, the league. We had this uh, in bet. Technicals. Uh, we had yes, this bet yes. uh, before the season. Uh, who's leading the league right now in technicals? Because yeah. I saw before the pod, I um, saw um, uh, Darius Garualis, our stats guy, okay. with the stat. Follow uh, him on Twitter if you are not. And who is the first head coach? I'm going to take a very random guess. That is Sasha Bradovich? Nope. No. Sasha Bradovich had only no. one technical action. Only one? Yeah. No, Donatus, you can't look up now. I, I mean, I saw the Bro headline already, and uh, during the pod, I watched the article, okay, so I'm okay. not just so like he, Googling he, he right he now. He knows. I know, knows. I know. Yeah, yeah. Why are you looking at the article during the pod? Uh, because I was just looking for some information about Milan, just to add with some advanced stats and stuff. So. Okay, so just tell me who is it? Because he's Max Because he's Max Yeah. Two Lithuanian coaches. This cold country. Oh, okay, Charles is in Barca, but anyways. Well, in Valencia, I have to give credit because he took a really tactical, technical foul, a really smart technical foul, because he saw some unfairness on the court, uh, some missed calls, and that was the that was very good timing for a technical, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's what was our bet before the season. The coach who gets the most technical. The most technical. Who's going to be the coach with most technical? You took Sharas probably, no? Sharas, Ataman, and Trinkieri, I think. I took the Sharas. I don't remember which one of you guys took Trinkieri. I didn't want to take the same one, so I took I Sharas, something I something different. Probably Trinkieri. He is also doing good in this race with two technicals. Barsokas also had has two technicals. So it's still a tight race. Somebody took Ataman, I think. I'm going to find it's it. It's one of the easiest. He's been calm. No, he's he's been really calm, especially in that Barcelona game was the best example. I think this is it, right? We just we covered all the topics we prepared for the spots. Already above one hour. Just a short look at this week. The best game of the week, I think, uh, goes to Pereus. Olympiacos is hosting FS, right? I think so. So this is going to be a huge week it's uh, on thursday no, right it's on thursday. thursday yeah on thursday and on friday what is the highlight Fenerbahce real madrid Fenerbahce real madrid, Fenerbahce real madrid right yeah two, now, ga two games to follow this week yeah so now gotta get back to the world cup 
Now we have to Serbia let league. you go to Serbia Cameroon. Window. Two one. Three right? one. Three one already. Three one. Sasha Mitrovic scored. Who's dominating the World Cup right now? Um, all the no. underdogs. <laughs> I, I I would say no one. Like it's still the group stage. Yeah. Uh who's the most inspiring team? The most exciting team. To me, the most exciting team is Spain for sure, the way they're playing. Mm-hmm. But they still haven't qualified. They have four points. So Ritis yesterday during the uh, during the game, he said it's zero zero, but I'm enjoying this beautiful <laughs> football. It's so interesting to see. So <laughs> it's sometimes really refreshing to see these two elite European teams facing each other after covering uh, some of those um, Morocco more difficult. I would say psychological and tactical games because when it's mm. Germany and Spain you know you're going to see pressing you're going to see ball movement the ball is always going to be in action and stuff like that so yeah it was great but so far I'm just enjoying the whole tournament and the whole experience like the drama about Argentina the way they failed in the first game and they went to play against Mexico as a final and they were not playing particularly well but all of a sudden uh, Leo Messi Two great goals. reminds everybody uh, about himself. So it's a good World Cup so far, even though it's hosted in Qatar and is being played in November. <laughs> Donatus, how many games have you seen? Zero. Oh my God. And I'm completely cool with that. There's a lot of things I- going Italy on. Italy is in my doing life. well, you know? <laughs> my, my, yeah, Italy. Yeah. I, I really believe uh, that. the Italian <laughs> ref or Sato is probably the best the best of ref. the tournament so far. <laughs> so that's something. So Italy's doing well. Defense and the offense with Del Piero and Balotelli. I mean, this guy said this Miroslav Klose is still in the offense for <laughs> Germany. <laughs> he could do a job for them. Actually, they're they're just, they're still help. lacking of a number nine. <laughs> my only football I watch at home is my son just kicking the ball. Actually, knows how to kick the ball already. Great quality, and he's enjoying. Yeah, great quality. We should get Ritis to commentate that one as well. <laughs> it's just tiki taka, more of tiki taka right there. Yeah, Not many that's, goals. That's great. No, that's great. I appreciate. I'm impressed. It. I I'm impressed. Appreciate it. Yeah. Just don't let him play football in Lithuania. Yeah, I know. I know. Lithuania. That's my main goal. It, is the power. My main <laughs> mission. <laughs> it's the worst country where you can choose football as a yeah. sport when you're a youngster because uh, <laughs> yeah, this is my first agenda just not let him go play football probably the second thing just to you know raise him as a good man as an intelligent person that's the, the second one yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't let him to the football feed here in Lithuania is, is the just biggest priority I hope when he's like 20 years old and he becomes a world beater in football a global superstar he listens to the podcast yeah. and thinks about how his father didn't want him to go through that. LeBron wants to play with his kid. Ritis wants to commentate Donatus' kid playing football. Yeah. We'll see. We'll That's see. it. Let's meet not in 20 years, but uh, the next week. And please don't forget to subscribe our channel. Press like button because it really helps us to grow. Give us five stars in all the audio platform platforms you're listening to us. And see you very soon.